You said you watched this earlier today. Yeah, yeah. First time in like probably like a decade or something really? like that. Yeah. It's been a it's been a while <laughs> for me. I think I got uh I think I got like three hundred fatigue. It was such a big movie at the time. Of course. And I know I watched it over and over again. And then it at the time it just seemed so badass, but uh it, it gets campy, like pretty camp for today's standards, but We'll talk about that like when we talk about Zack Snyder and everything. But um, if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Let's roll it. All right, man. Let's play it again. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. Good morning, Vietnam! You're going to need a bigger boat. Erica! 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 Hasta la vista, baby. What's up, everybody? It's Steven here. Jason is overseas performing with his band, Shabalba. Um, check them out if you guys haven't uh, before. But I am here with a good friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other going on about 20 years almost now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah it's pretty <laughs> insane. Uh, he has his own podcast called the Beer Belly Podcast, if I'm correct, right? Beer Belly. Find us on the uh, podcast Spotify, uh, a portion of Spotify. Pretty easy to find, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he's got his own podcast here, and he... Um, stepped in for Jason, uh, where Jason is absent. So please, welcome to the show, AJ Ramirez. And today we're going to do one of our favorite films from high school, 300. Directed by Zack Snyder, it was released on March 9th, 2007. Um, it is based off the original comic, well, not the original comic, but the comic by Frank Miller and Lynn Varley, which is also based on the story of... 300 Spartans in Thermopylae battling the Persian hordes. Uh, this movie was a big cultural cultural thing when it came out, um, and there was a lot of imitators afterwards, for sure. Aesthetically, most definitely. Like, visually, like, yeah. you, I mean, Frank Miller, I'm, I'm sorry, Frank Miller, uh, Zack Snyder himself kind of yeah. redid that repeatedly, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, if it, not him, a numerous others. A bunch of other people. Yeah. Um, the movie was made on a 60 to $65 million budget, and it made $456.1 million. So Zack Snyder, he uh, he knocked it out of the park with this one. We'll talk about him a little bit more when we get into the gas cast, but let's start at the beginning like we always do and talk about when we first saw this movie, what we remember about it, and what the climate was like after seeing it. Sure. So uh, for myself, anyway, I remember it was opening night. I was kind of hyped to see it. I remember seeing trailers uh, for it every once in a while when going to see other movies. And, you know, a couple of good old friends of ours, they were just down day of. And so figured, hey, why not? Though, when we got there, this is like before the age of like reserved seating be commonplace, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like you couldn't just go on Fandango quite as easily nowadays, not a sponsor. But um, <laughs> essentially so, you just had to buy a ticket and hope you got a good seat depending on what time you arrived. Yes, and, yes. Uh, we had the honor of seating in in the uh, dead front row, like against the screen. Almost. So you're like looking upwards, <laughs> neck break, at yeah, night just... And just abs all all night, all all night. It was just it was blocking spiels of abs, absolutely. At, at least it wasn't Watchmen. I had to sit in the front with Watchmen, and there was just a giant blue dong in my face the entire time. Yeah, depending on who you are, that might be the best part of the night for you. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> but right, at the right? same time, absolutely um, right. But you know what? Um, I'll, I'll say this, though, about it. Even though it was the front row, in a way, it actually became 
quite the immersive experience. Yeah. I mean, abs, uh, abs of plenty alone. Uh, there's that opening scene where, um, not opening scene, but the first battle yeah. where the Spartans first actually face off. And near the end of that, um, you get like this nice, cool panning dolly shot of yeah, Leonidas yeah. just going ham on all the Persians. And uh, that was just, I just remember whipping my head left and right and left and right, just trying to absorb that whole bit of scene. And that kind of just what was what sold the movie to me. Like, 25 minutes and I just realized, oh crap, this is going to be like a crazy ride, yeah, especially yeah. for the time. We're, we're in for it for sure. Yeah, yeah, not a lot had been made like this. And what about like, so walking out of the theater afterwards and the weeks afterwards, talking to people afterwards, like, what, like, how was, what was the climate like? Sure, sure, sure. I mean, um, well, I would, if, if memory serves right, you were one of the first people that uh, that I had spoken with about it, and you and so, I yeah. quoting stuff back and forth, Leonidas yeah, lines left really and right, funny, real fun stuff, a, a bunch too. of fun zingers throughout this film. Like the writing, although again, can't be for campy sure. Is, at yeah. the same time, for the time anyway, it was like the epitome of like badass cinema, if of you will. Course, you yeah, know, for, for sure, we were like the perfect age for it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, we were. This is our last year of high school. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, 2007. Um, for me, I don't remember who I saw it with, but I know I saw it opening night because I was like hyped. I saw the trailer for it and I was like, this looks awesome. And it was, I feel like uh, the success of Sin City, that that stylized um, panel come to life look uh, that Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller and Quentin Tarantino used in that movie paved the way for this. And I remember going to see it and like you said, I'm where I'm like a 17 year old boy watching these dudes just tear people apart. And you just, it's just, there's so much adrenaline going in and the visuals of it were now looking at certain parts of it. It's really grainy. You probably couldn't make a movie that looks like this today and have it be successful. But, um, it just, it just was, was part of a time that it just fits so well. And people had never seen anything done quite like this before. And I just remember, leaving that place and wanting to see the movie again and can't wait to talk to my friends who like to go see movies about it and yeah just for for months on end and when it hit hit dvd release and everything just i remember you know my mom didn't want to go see this movie but i showed it to her and like my uncle and they were like all entranced by it and i was just like yeah this is this is something new that would be repeated over and over again imitated over and over again and never to that like same caliber, N- yeah. Never whatsoever. to those, never to those heights, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I remember about the time it came out. It was just, it was such a huge movie, and um, like we said, after it, it created so many imitators. I was writing down. I mean, like I said, it sprung from Sin City, and then after this, there was movies like The Spirit, which did not do well. Movies like The Immortals, which did not do well. Um, it yeah, and then uh, Zack Snyder, like you said, he copied himself a few times with The Watchmen and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so with that having said, talking about Zack Snyder, let's move on to the cast um, and include Zack Snyder in there because he's a very uh, prolific director now, but he's also a very divisive director as as of late. Um, so he jumped on the scene with the remake of George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, which I thought and still think is one of the best zombie movies made today. It's it's really, really fun. It's a good take on George Romero's original classic. And I couldn't get enough of that movie when it came out. Uh, it's just so much gore. Um, I think just before that, the only other movie that a lot of people hadn't seen at the time was uh, 20 Days Later that introduced like the fast sprinting zombie. 
And uh, those movies were just, they were terrifying because you've never seen zombies like that. And I think he did a really good job with that. And, you know, uh, Legendary Pictures saw something in him and put him on the task to make this movie. Apparently at the time, Michael Mann had read a book called Gates of Fire that was about the Battle of Thermopylae as well. And he had planned to make a movie, but this one got into production first. And this one took off, definitely. But So Zack Snyder made that uh, Dawn of the Dead. Then he makes this movie. And then, I can't remember... I think it's after Watchmen. He does Watchmen next, because I believe that's 2009. Sounds about the right timeline. Yeah, yeah, 2009. And Watchmen was a movie that people had been trying to make for a long time. Like, early in the 90s, like... I think Mel Gibson was going to be the comedian. Oh, and wow. Like a, bun- a bunch of people have been trying to make this movie, and it just wouldn't work. They couldn't get it to work. So Watchmen came out. I remember loving that movie. I still like it. Um, there are certain parts of it that I just find absolutely epic. But uh, a lot of people, the original comic, uh, didn't, didn't like it. Uh, and I could see why. Alan Moore, I could see why he wouldn't like it, because it kind of misses the point, but... That's the trouble of translating that book into a movie is you can't do it the way he did it. You kind of have to make it flashy and the way that Zack Snyder made that movie. It's a magnum opus of, of like, I guess, if you will, a graphic novel. You know, And it's so extensive. Like, the length of that book yeah, is yeah. ridiculous to try to condense that. I mean, granted, it is, it is a longer film. It's at least two and a half hours, yeah, I, I want to guess, so, yeah, if yeah. not longer. Yeah, I know uh, the director's cut's like over three hours. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, so there you go. I mean, you could try to do what you can with that. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can only translate it to film so well. I, but yeah, I mean, I think it was decently executed, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, uh, that's why I think it, that worked better as a series. I don't know if you watched the Watchmen series on HBO. Absolutely um, awesome. It it takes a lot of liberties with the source material, but it does. I think the same type of message gets across, um, whereas it did in the Zack Snyder film. So he makes that movie, and then at this point, I'm like, oh, Dawn of the Dead, 300, Watchmen. This guy can do no wrong. Can't miss. Much. Yeah. Then Sucker Punch comes out. <laughs> and uh, that movie, well... Visually enticing is kind of a shit show as far as like what the story is or what it what it means. Um, there was aspects like I said visually that I enjoyed from it. Some stuff that they did with the physics of like how um, the fight scenes were and everything. You've seen the film, correct? So actually. Uh- as like an 18, 19 year old guy, something like that back in the day. Again, another movie by Zack Snyder that seemed right up our alley for yeah. our age bracket, cute girls and all that kicking ass. But due to so much negative word of mouth, I actually didn't take the time to see oh, it. Really? But I was actually very interested with yeah. the trailers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. It seemed very mysterious and intriguing. Yeah, yeah. But I did not actually take the time, no. Yeah, no. so it's just a mismatch of like, a, <laughs> I feel like he made a movie, the studio saw it, and they're like, we got to do something about this. Um, this is the first movie that I saw Oscar Isaac in. Oh, wow. Um, I remember seeing him in the trailer and then just being like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. And then it wasn't until Drive that he popped up again. I was like, oh, this guy's got something. He's He's got something to work with. But yeah, the movie came out and I was just like, wow, Zack Snyder, you kind of dropped the ball on this one. <laughs> um, and then flash forward to 2015, a little movie called Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice comes out. And... I'm not a fan of the DCEU. Uh, same, uh, same here. Over, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same sentiments I, I, I for think, sure. <laughs> I think, um, I think the Dark Knight trilogy had a lot to do with how Warner Brothers wanted to handle their their universe, and uh, they made it dark and gritty. I don't think that Zack Snyder really gets Superman as a uh, as a. And actually, I skipped over the fact that he made Man of Steel before that, 
which is a movie I don't hate. Yeah. I, um, I, please go ahead. Especially in the third act when he's actually being Superman. Like I like that part of the movie. The beginning of it where he's on the road and everything. I was. I don't know that he's getting the actual concept of what Superman is supposed to be. But um, I didn't hate the movie. It it was visually impressive, and you know it wasn't terrible. But yeah, like I said, at Comic Con twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, they announced Batman versus Superman, and um, I honestly blame that movie for the state of the world today, because I'm like, oh, when I found out that they were making a Batman versus Superman movie, I was like, oh, anything could happen. Oh, Donald Trump could win the presidency. <laughs> oh, like. And anything could happen. The floodgates, the multiverse <laughs> yeah, were open yeah. in real life. Pretty, and now pretty, pretty much, yes. Anything yes, that yes, can happen exactly. will happen. <laughs> um, so that movie came out, and apart from the Batman warehouse scene, didn't care for it. Yeah, unfortunately, like, I mean, you think of the title, Batman vs. Superman, a movie that everyone has been waiting for since yeah. the dawn of time, let's say. And yet, unfortunately, yeah, the execution, once again, a longer film trying to encapsulate such like a, a potentially huge story into yes. two and a half hours, even longer with the Snyder Cut that we have nowadays, yeah. which, in my opinion, for as far as Justice League goes, just clean things up a little bit. But mm -hmm. as far as like the dark times of the DCU, where they were truly trying to harness the darkness that is that, that universe, yeah. um, I would say Man of Steel is probably my favorite of those films, yeah. like post-Dark Knight trilogy uh -huh. i would say um but I, I do agree even though that movie is far from perfect man is still it just at least has a tone that i can appreciate a bit more henry cavill's babasaurus rex so you can't go wrong with that either <laughs> yes, so yes, i sir. mean yeah um yeah so he makes that movie and then he starts working on the long-awaited justice league movie um unfortunately his daughter i believe passes away yeah. uh so he has to leave production they hand it off to joss whedon we get the shit show that is the original justice league cut um, I fast forwarded a lot of parts through the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, okay. but it seemed a lot better than what Joss Whedon had given us. I've talked about a movie with a couple friends, uh, quite a few times actually. And yeah. one of my buddies, um, shout out to my friend Peter. He actually made a really good point in that. Yeah. You know what? Um, as much as that that version of the film does improve the overall, I guess, idea of the Justice League film, the original cut, um, the only thing is that Zack Snyder has like the gift of hindsight with that, you know, anything yeah. that any yeah, vision yeah. that he might have had originally that he realized, you know, it once came to fruition along with, uh, I guess, Joss Whedon's input as well. Um, he was just able to kind of clean things up and rewrite if needed, if at all. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was 100% his original idea, but mm -hmm. at, at the same time, um, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I guess he and, just and, had that advantage. And hardly anybody ever gets that opportunity to yeah. make a movie. It comes out, and then the fan uproar is so huge that you get to go back and make it again. Like, it's nobody gets that opportunity. Yeah. It's crazy what the internet can do. Um, but yeah, he makes that movie, and uh, recently he made uh, Army of the Dead, which. I thought was subpar for zombie movies. That was a Netflix original, yeah, was it? Yeah, I hadn't yeah. seen that one, but I yeah. heard it was all right. I mean, you could watch it. It's not great. It's not terrible, but <laughs> it's yeah, it's a Zack Snyder movie. But um, yeah, that's where we that's where our, uh, we stand on Zack Snyder and pop culture now. He's he's a very divisive filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that given the right opportunity and the right uh, material, he could still do something good down the line. So we're not going to write Zack Snyder off completely, but yeah. Uh, moving on to the actual cast of this movie. Uh, first up, we got Gerard Butler. Um, what are your thoughts on Gerard Butler? I mean, 
obviously for the time of that film, that was like his, at least in my opinion, I think a lot that of people like might agree. That was like his breakout role. 100%. Yeah. yeah, that's how he became a household name for for that time yeah, anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, since then, you know, he's gone on to like smaller films, like, uh, you know, smaller action films, uh, what rom-coms, like the occasional stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but all, I mean, ultimately, he's a charismatic dude. He seems really cool and yeah, all that. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a long career ahead of him. Sure. Um, when he he came out in this movie, and then I was like, oh, Gerard Butler, I got to know this guy's name because I loved him in this movie. He ca- mm-hmm. he carries the film, um, even though there are some great side characters and everything. Um, but afterwards, I remember he was gonna be in a. I'm a huge Guy Ritchie fan. Well, a r- early Guy Ritchie fan, like pre snatch or snatch, and then that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. His next movie was gonna be called Rock and Roll, and uh, Gerard Butler was gonna be the star. So I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then I watched the trailer, and I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then going back, I um, I don't know if you ever seen Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life, the sequel to the original with Angelina Jolie. I have seen. Bits I of went it. <laughs> back and watched it, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Gerard Butler!" Oh, he's in, in that, that film. Yeah, he's like the bad boyfriend, <laughs> ex boyfriend's dude. But um, yeah, and then he, like you said, he started making these rom coms. I'll tell you when I really checked out. He made a movie with Katherine Heigl called Oh uh, Yes, The Ugly Truth, where he's like a male uh, coach for like lo- love coach or whatever, and she's like a journalist, and then they get paired up on a story, and then they fall in love. Like, just the trailer alone, I was like, Ugh, I don't, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> but you know, like I said, he's got a promising career ahead of him. He's he he got his own franchise with uh, Olympus Has Fallen, then he did Angel Has Fallen, and London Has Fallen. So I, I don't think he's gonna go anywhere anytime soon. So good for him. Um, I just. I haven't checked in on one of his movies in a long time. I heard that movie that came out recently, Greenland, was good. But other than that, uh, I haven't really checked out any of his work. If I may, while we're still on him for for the moment. I mean, uh, yeah, I haven't really watched too many of his films aside from 300. But one that I will say, uh, as far as rom-coms go... um, have you seen a P.S. I Love You with he and Hilary Swank? I haven't seen it. Um, I know women... That love the movie, like so many of them. It's actually, actually a pretty sincerely good film. Like yeah. it, it'll it'll jerk them some tears out of you. Yeah, I, I think it'll it'll play the heartstrings a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I've never seen it, but I know a lot of a lot of my lady friends who have seen it and absolutely love it. Sure, sure. Um, next up we got Lena Headey, who um, famously uh, your Game of Thrones fan, I assume. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was on Game of Thrones for fuck every single season till the last. Um, She's been in a lot of stuff herself. I just found out doing the research. I don't know if you remember there was a movie. Um, it was called The Jungle Book. It came out in the 90s, but it was about Mowgli when he's older and he goes back to like civilization. And then it, it was a Disney movie they made in the 90s. It was a live action? It was live action. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, um, slightly. Carrie Elwes was in it. He was a villain. Uh, fun movie from what I remember. I haven't seen it in years. But apparently she was the love interest in that movie. I had no idea. Oh, wow. Um, this was the first movie that I remember like knowing her face. And everybody in this movie gives such a strong performance. I was like, I know that person from now on but obviously she's in this after this she was in a short-lived uh terminator series called terminator the sarah connor connor chronicles so she actually played sarah connor in that show um she was in the i wouldn't call it a remake or a sequel probably a reboot of the dread um judge dread franchise um with carl urban she did one of those uh and she was also in a movie that came out recently on netflix that i watched last year called gunpowder milkshake Cool visuals, cool action, but the story kind of fell flat for me. Sure. Um, but she's good. I, I like her. And especially in this movie, like we said, she's a real right. strong female character. Um, her performance in this movie made me remember her face for sure. Yes. 
good good actress, and obviously people know her very well from Game of Thrones. Um, next up, we got Rodrigo Santoro, who plays Xerxes. Yeah, he looks um, completely different as a normal human being. Yeah, <laughs> completely different. Yeah. I, I actually recognized him when I was watching this movie. He's in a little movie called Love Actually, and he wow. plays uh, Laura Linney's uh, love interest. And I was just like... Yeah, I, I recognize that guy, and he's been in a bunch of stuff, but the only other thing that I've seen him in recently that I was actually watching was, uh, he was in the HBO series Westworld. Oh, was he? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. He, he plays, like, Dandy Newton's, like, boy toy, uh, literally toy, because he's not a real person, but, um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's great as Xerxes in this movie. Every time I see him, though, now I think of that South Park episode with Xerxes in it, where he's, like, uh... It's supposed to be a woman, and he's like a lesbian with Mr. Garrison. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, super funny stuff. I'll have to check that out. Uh, next up, David Winham, who plays Delios, uh, the storyteller of the movie. Um, I know he's been in a lot of shit, too. The only things that I'm very familiar with him, he plays Faramir yes. in The Two Towers and Return of the King, The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then he was also in that god-awful Van Helsing movie. Was he? Yeah. With, with he was he... like the the... The but, Friar Tuck type dude. Oh my gosh, I forgot. He actually plays a wimpy character yeah, for once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, He's so regal and everything else. Yeah, How right, crazy. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was him in that movie. I remember watching it. I, I was sitting around with Jerry and I was just like, should we watch this movie? And he's like, all right. And we put it on. Yikes! <laughs> Not a good movie. It, it, it's it's like up there with like League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That I think and a like bit. and like the Mummy Returns yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, Similar it's, vibe. it's really it's really bad. <laughs> I got you. Um, and then also this was one that I had when I went back to watch Three Hundred um, that I didn't know it was him. You got a very younger and unknown Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I yeah. totally forgot he was in this movie. The, until first, I watched the it. first time I remember, like, who the fuck is this guy mm-hmm. is in Glorious Bastards? I was like, holy shit, this this guy's incredible. He's badass. Yeah. And since then, he's gone on to play Magneto in two very good X Men movies, and then like three not so great ones yeah. afterwards. But you know, he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he was in a movie called Shame. Uh, Shame. I'm sorry. Shame with Carrie Mulligan, and then he was a complete asshole in Twelve Years a Slave. Um, they try to give him another franchise with Assassin's Creed, the movie. Oh, that's right. Uh, he played Hamlet, I think, in uh, in one of these movies as well. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's a fantastic actor. I think his agency might just be giving him bad bad advice or something, or maybe he really likes the roles. But he like he's made some movies that I'm just like. You should be doing something cooler, dude. Yeah, you would think. I mean, like Assassin's Creed. You know, it's a. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of video game films yeah, just, don't just don't pan out. out. Yeah, they, they don't. But it's like it's the idea of it is cool. I, I feel yes. similarly about his career that I do with like Henry Cavill, referencing him once again. Just like yeah. I feel like they have like potentially great roles, but unfortunately, things just don't pan out for them. Yeah, because I mean, the the role of Superman is such a great role, yeah. but the universe that they created yeah. to and use Henry Cavill because he's a fantastic actor. Um, he's great in Mission Impossible. Fallout. Oh yeah. my god, dude! Uh, yeah. And yeah, I feel, yeah, you're right. I feel the same way about Michael Fassbender. Like he should be in more stuff. I I thought that before they cat before Affleck before they were going to do the whole Batman vs Superman thing, and before uh, Robert Pattinson, way before all that, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know what? Michael Fassbender could be a good Bruce Wayne. That would be very interesting. Yeah. I, 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 would, I, I would like to see something like that, some test footage or something. Yeah, something like that. But um, after that, we got uh, Dominic West, who a lot of people know very well from uh, The Wire, the series The Wire on HBO. Um, 
he's really good in that show. I don't know if you ever seen it. I've not, but it's I've only hailed, heard great it's, things. It's hailed as probably like one of the best shows of all time. That and like The Sopranos and Mad Men and stuff. But it's a really good show. He's really good in it. Um, he plays a conniving bastard in this movie. <laughs> um, you're meant yeah. not to like him. What I saw him in after this, and I was just like, yikes, uh, was Punisher Warzone. I don't know if you ever saw that oh, one. Oh, was he in that movie? Yeah, he plays the villain. So the movie came out right after. So Marvel made a, a Punisher movie mm-hmm. with Thomas Jane and John Travolta. And I feel like they got the story and the characters and the look down on that movie. But as far as the graphic violence that's in Punisher comics, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It was violent, but not Punisher style. Right. So then right after The Dark Knight comes out, um, everybody wants to make these like crazy, crazy villains and just like make them over the top and like like really bad. So they make this movie called Punisher Warzone with an entirely different cast, and it's super violent. But the acting is terrible, and he's <laughs> the main villain. And God, by God, is he he's swinging at the fences and <laughs> he goes mi- for it, <laughs> missing every single shot that comes at him. If, if I may, just to compare, would it be comparable comparable to like Jesse Eisenberg's uh, uh, Lex Luthor? Oh, really? Okay. I, and I hate Jesse Eisenberg's <laughs> Lex Luthor, but I'm telling you, like he's like, oh, you call me Jigsaw from now on, like, dude, it's it's really bad, super bad. Too bad because he's a pretty good actor yeah, too. I is. enjoy him he in is. 300, even though he is a conniving piece yeah, of shit. He, yeah, he plays his part well. I think I think. <laughs> Like I said, Dark Knight came out. They saw the Joker, and they just they gave him like bad direction. And yeah, sure. but a um, couple honorable mentions: uh, Andrew Tyrion plays a He's got a small role. He's like the uh, I don't know what you call him, like the hunchback dude. Yes. Um, Vincent Reagan, who plays the captain. Yeah. He's actually uh, Achilles' captain in Troy. That, okay, so I remember same back dude. in the day having that feeling of like, hey, it's like this very similar role. If yeah, you yeah, will. yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Same, same dude. And then uh, well, there was somebody else. That's where I knew him from. Okay. Oh, I was trying to figure out. I don't think this is him. Yeah, no, it's not him. I was trying to because we do this thing um, that they do on the rewatchables. Oh, this is the guy, uh, Tyrone Bet- Benskin. Uh, he plays the Persian emissary, and we do this thing that this other podcast, the Rewatchables, does, or they give awards to certain characters. So, like, oh, best that guy. Uh, the Dion Waiters Award is a guy that's only in the movie for like one minute but does an amazing job. And then there's another award called the Vincent Hanna Award after the character that Al Pacino plays in Heat, who's just way over the top, yeah. just nuts. That emissary, his speech about like. A thousand, all that, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, he's, yeah, just, he's just poetic. going so yeah. hard, and I'm just like, man, this guy must have just felt like this is my one chance to make it in Hollywood. And he just went so ham on that part. It was wonderfully done, though. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy it. He's got, he's got, in all the. I think he, once he got in all the makeup, he had the beard and like the makeup and everything. It just, he, he just goes for it. And yeah. I just, I had to, I had to throw his name in the ring. I appreciate that. I'm sure he does. Yeah, but uh, apart from that. Uh, we can jump into unless there's anybody that you noticed in the movie that you wanted to call out specifically. Not necessarily. No, no, no. By all means, let's get into it. Okay. Well, what this time watching the movie jumped out to you that maybe you forgot about or maybe you never noticed before? Sure. I mean, as far as like, I, I, totally. Like, it's fun seeing this movie like over a decade later, almost two decades later, really. And um, just with that. 
I didn't understand. I didn't grasp the campiness uh, at the time. Yeah. It was just very much like, hey, this is, it's 2007. Badass movies are badass movies. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're 17 years old. Let's have fun. Um, but even now, today, while there is certainly plenty of camp within this film, mm-hmm. it's still so much fun listening to, I, I, I used the word earlier, but I do believe in it a little bit, and that there is some poetry within the dialogue oh, no, with, of this with film. The, without a doubt. Like the without actor you referenced a second ago, um, just as well, like, I mean, just every it's, time it's, a like, character is like saying something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much like it grabs your attention. And one thing that I didn't notice um, in all the times I've watched this movie before up until today, um, I feel I, I wasn't sure if it was the mix or just the direction of the film, probably a combination of both. But the um, there's plenty of times where, like the opening scene, you have the actor who plays Faramir in the Lord of the Rings films. And, you know, he has this great resounding speech and, yeah. and he has these speeches and monologues throughout the film. Mm-hmm. That are wonderful and everything, um, but then in between those moments and when it's not battle and people are just talking, things are very much more softly spoken and yes. kind of a little more engaging. And I actually had to listen more closely to my TV when I was watching this film again. Like I was like, oh wow, like the mix is like totally dropped down levels. And I guess it just kind of obviously maybe is meant to heighten these battle scenes or like yeah. these grandiose speeches Definitely. and like one-liners that people are zinging in every other scene, mm-hmm. which I think was just kind of fun for me. Again, a little silly at times for sure. Like ah thousand arrows and all that but but at the same time it it does make those points kind of pop and i guess add a level of engagement it for does me. it's 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 um a mixture of i think i mean at certain points you're right it's poetic uh like i said it's shakespearean i feel at mm-hmm. some points they might as well just be rhyming while they're talking <laughs> yeah. um but it's like it's you you know we think of shakespeare but even before in greek uh theater was huge in greek in uh greek times in greece and uh, almost like kabuki, or like uh, performances, like in Japan and stuff. Um, it's it's over the top, but I think it needs to be. And and that's one thing too. I was thinking about uh, would this movie be made in the type of climate that we live in today? And I was thinking probably not. But the way that they they do it, um, and especially when I was doing the research, uh, Delios, who's a storyteller he's telling the story to the Spartans trying to hype them up for battle and everything. So the way he portrays the enemy and, you know, the pe- like all the, all the people and like all the women at their camp and everything, like they're supposed to look evil and they're supposed to look uh, distorted and everything like that. And he's, he's talking about the immortals and talking about these giant beasts. Maybe they weren't that big and maybe it was a six foot seven dude, but he wasn't fucking like 13 feet tall and, and all this stuff, right. and and it just makes a lot of sense as to why, like, hyperbolic storytelling at the time was big, Sin City, this movie, all the other ones, but it fits so well into this narrative coming from his storytelling to try and get these guys like, oh, these are fucking impossible, impossible giant people with, like, severed hands and all this different shit, but we destroyed a bunch of them so let's go boys let's go let's take care of business we could do it together that was only 300 of us now we got 10,000 like we can we can do it no problem right so it makes a lot of sense um what are like some of your favorite scenes i have a i have like four written down that i that just jumped 
right off the page for me when I was sure. watching it. Sure. I mean, if, if we're going to talk favorite scenes, um, I, I, I can't wait to hear yours, but uh, obviously you get like the opening, like uh, the uh, the messenger comes to Sparta. Yeah, I, and have, he's, that he's, I have that one written. Yeah, I mean, that was something that, again, when you and I were younger, we would quote All often to each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I recall being at Josh. I was at Josh's house yesterday in his pool, and I recall being at a party and then us agreeing that – I could kick you into the pool after saying that or whatever. Uh, uh, poor this John. Is, this John, is Sparta. Actually. Yeah. yeah. God dang it. But yeah, so Wait, was it you or was it John John? I, I did it to John John. Oh, you did it to John I, I John. Felt, okay. I felt really bad about that in hindsight, but it was. But he was such a good sport about <laughs> oh, no, it. The he, he was time. so down. And, yeah. and he, knew, he knew the lines, yeah, too. Yeah. So it was like, I was like, I know the lines. You know the lines. Are you sure you want to do this? Let's He's like, go. yeah, go, man. I'm like... Okay. <laughs> and anything for pageantry with that guy. He'll, oh, he's, he's, he's so the dead. best sport. He's but yeah, to start too. You're right. As like, <laughs> I mean, it was cool seeing it today, and it's such an iconic line um, in pop culture. And was for I mean they they did that parody We Are the Spartans. Uh, yes. Afterwards. Yeah, I remember um, something like that. Really bad parody, but uh, that scene. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 um it was so iconic at the time and. It sets a great precedent for what Leonidas's like standards of himself and his country and his people are. Yeah, um, and it, it just works really well, I think. Choose your next words carefully, Leonidas. They may be your last as king. Madman, you're a madman. Earth and water. Oh, you'll find plenty of both down there. No man, Persian or Greek, no man threatens a messenger. You bring the crowns and heads of conquered kings to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. One thing I, I I don't know if I appreciated as much when I was younger as I do now. Um, maybe it has to do something with like being engaged or something like that. But one thing I like about that scene, as uh, I mean, aside from just him being a badass and kicking a guy into a bottomless pit, it was um, there's a moment where you know he's trying to figure out what the right move should be because mm-hmm. he has the politicians, you know, the, our, our villain of the movie, saying, you know, don't do this. What are you doing? You're going to bring war to our to our people and all that. Like we have to be diplomatic about this. The messenger's trying to tell him, hey, what the hell are you doing? Get, yeah. You know, get away from me. And yet he's already filled up with so emotion. And yet before he makes his decision he takes a glance over to his wife the queen and is just like is this the move to do right now baby yeah. she's like fucking do it go for it kick yeah. his ass and then you know he proceeds to get that's, down that's a ride or die <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, yeah and then after that um not one of my favorite scenes but it's just stuff that like he's got a client like scale a mountain to go see the um the like prophet dudes the e-fours the yeah. e-fours yeah <laughs> so gross In, in, inbred swine is what they yeah. call them um and and you we find out right away like after they're like honor the car yeah um 
Yeah, we find out right away after that that they they got bought off. Yeah. And I'm thinking, dude, they live at the top of a mountain and have a fucking virgin girl here. Well, she's probably not a virgin, but... Not anymore, anyway. Um, what the fuck are they going to do with gold? Yeah. Like, they, just, they just live up there. It's not like they can walk around and people won't be disgusted by them because they've got gold chains and shit. Great observation. I never considered that. Yeah, but they do. They do. Um, but one of my favorite scenes afterwards is when they're leaving Sparta. And uh, I remember this was a, a line that we would uh, we laughed at uh, years previous is um, when they're when the senators are all trying to stop Leonidas and it's like what can we do what can we do what can you do yeah just <laughs> walks away every time I hear that line or it just comes to mind you instantly are attached <laughs> to that memory every time what can you what do, can you do? <laughs> it's it's a point where Gerard Butler's character isn't yelling but he's still like yeah. kind of just a badass like you're not going to tell me what to do in this no, moment not at all yeah like he's you're already, my bitch he's already decided <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that part's really fun. And then, uh, immediately afterwards when, uh, this is probably one of my favorite scenes when they meet up with the Athenians, they're like, Oh, I thought you brought, I thought you brought, uh, warriors. I brought more warriors than you. And then they do the whole Spartan. What's your profession thing. Mm -hmm. That part to me is just, it was just so cool to see it. Um, I love the first dude that he has like, Oh, what do you do? I'm a potter. <laughs> just like what? You're right. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he makes it a point to show that, like, oh, these guys, the Spartans, their fucking whole life is war. Back sauce. What a pleasant surprise. This morning's full of surprises, Leonidas. We've been tricked. Something more than a few hundred. This is a surprise. Silence. This isn't an army. We heard Sparta was on the warpath, and we were eager to join forces. If it is blood you seek, you're welcome to join us. Would you bring only this handful of soldiers against Xerxes? I see I was wrong to expect Sparta's commitment to at least match our own. Doesn't it? You, there. What is your profession? I'm a potter. Sir. And you, Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. You? Blacksmith. Spartans! What is your profession? <laughs> you see, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. <laughs> um, whereas the Athenians, they go to war, but they're not warriors you know yeah for sure what, what, what is the line that the, um that, that the narrator says something like you know they're brawlers yeah, amateur, yeah, amateur amateur brave amateurs but yeah. you know th at the end of the day they do their part yeah you know? so yeah they, they caught they make a mess of things yeah there you go <laughs> um i mean you, you could see it from the beginning but uh oh yeah and then when they when they go to the to the burnt down village or whatever, mm -hmm. and then the Athenians are just like, oh, they're immortals, they can't be killed. And then uh, I just always remember, we'll put their name to the test, mm -hmm. the immortals. Um, that was a good one. But uh, at 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 this point in the movie, from the beginning, I think this is relevant. But every frame of this movie is like a painting, like a work of art. It's it's and it's meant to be that way. It's like panel to live action, the, right. same, the same way it looked in in the comic books, but. It just, it never stops. Like, every single cut, every single frame of this movie is just absolutely gorgeous to look at. 
Um, like I said, the the grain and the color the color grade on it is something that I don't think would work in movies today. Yeah. But for the time, um, it's it's gorgeous to look at. It was more immersive than what would may, maybe now be considered distracting. Yeah, possibly. Yes, definitely, definitely so. Um, let's see here. Do you have any other favorite scenes? I mean, arrows blot out the sun. We'll fight in the shade. That yeah. good stuff. Um. Oh what? Else? Oh, so there's the, also the scene. I, I I guess I just really like how much in love with each other they are. The yeah. uh, uh, Leonidas and the Queen uh, Gorgo, I think her Gorgo, name was. Yes. Not not the prettiest name, but but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lovely lady nonetheless. But um, it's you know right as you know he's done telling the our villain like hey you know fuck off I'm going to do what I got to do for yeah. our country no matter what. Um, and you know he's she's seeing him off. Um, she in the sun and you know she gives him the necklace and. You know, the narrator's once again saying what he's thinking, like, you know, goodbye, my love. You know, he doesn't say it. Yeah. There's no room for softness. Yeah. And, and yeah. like, that's just like, like, damn, like, there's, it, there's multiple points in this film where, where Leonidas has to maintain like the stoicism, this mm-hmm. leadership yeah. to where like he doesn't have, he doesn't allow himself to break with her for celebrations purposes or out of like, out of woe for like possibly never seeing his wife ever again yeah. or his country for that matter. And um, I kind of just like that. And then she further kind of makes that scene kind of badass and stoic with following up with, you know, come back with your shield or, or on it. it. Yeah. yeah which just is like, something damn. that they actually used to tell, tell each other. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing too, is like we talked, this movie is very of its time. Um, there's a hell of a lot of camp in it, um, but there, it, there, it's like a like a roller coaster of like, oh, it's getting really too campy, and then it gets really like there's pieces of the dialogue that you can respect, pieces yeah. of people's performances that you can respect, and then it gets campy again, and yeah. then it goes back to like back and forth. So there's a lot to appreciate in this movie and a lot to laugh at, and sure. um, like I said, product of its time, but it's definitely for. Like, if I had a kid or if I had anybody, like, younger, they're, like, 12, 15 years old, I show them this movie, I know they're going to fucking, they're going to go crazy for it. It's 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 a really fun movie to watch. Um, yeah, that seems really good. Uh, I like um, I like the first battle, uh, and you brought this up, that, slow, that slow-mo dolly shot where yeah. they're just showing Leonidas, like... Just taking things like taking people apart, and it's and it's doing uh, like sped up and then slow motion and then zoomed out yeah. and then zoomed in. It just Zack Snyder started to overuse that a lot in his movies, mm. but this was the first time I saw that, and he did it in such a way that it looked looks like one continuous thing. And I can't imagine how they choreographed all that stuff Seriously. and everything. It just it looks fantastic, and I remember. Uh, at the time, I had a like PC downstairs in this house, and I had a DVD program on my PC that, um, when you were watching the movie, you could take still images of the movie. That's cool. So, like one of the last moves he does, like his his cape's going up, and he throws his his uh, his shield over his shoulder, so it's like that, and you could see his helmet and everything. And uh, I remember I clipped it, and I and I. Um, I colored it like I made it like Lintho and like colored in all this all all the different colors that I wanted and I made I remember when we used to fuck around playing in the like music musician stuff mm-hmm. and then uh our friend Blade who passed away rest in peace rest in peace always um yeah. me and him were big fans and you too as well were big fans of uh God of War oh, absolutely. the game and I was like oh what if we had a band called Ghost of Sparta 
which would be so dope. So I remember <laughs> making like a album cover with that picture of Leonidas and then having Ghost of Sparta on. You it. might have shown me that once upon a I'm time. I'm pretty sure I should I, have. That, that sounds like the most foggy memory, but I remember something you were about over, that. You were over here enough, and yeah. I had it on my on my PC downstairs. I <laughs> yeah. had to have shown you. That's awesome, dude. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll always remember that because I was just like, oh, that'd be such a cool ass name for yeah. a band. And then I had that picture, and I was like, okay, cool. Most definitely. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, cool. that that first battle is is really awesome, and just seeing like. You know, the Persians, like they said, they'll break like water on our shields. And then uh, they're doing that. And then they do the whole push and then toss them back and yeah. just start slicing and dicing them. Once they dig their heels in, they kind of get their footing, if yeah. you will. Yeah, that was actually pretty impressive. One thing about that, the whole hot gate scenario, I, I didn't realize this until now. I know you asked earlier, but something uh, that I didn't even recall back then or notice was um, it's basically foreshadowed. The yeah, hot gates I literally have beginning. foreshadowing the wolf in the yeah, hot gates. Yeah, I, 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 I just went right over my head like many other things <laughs> do in life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I, I, I remember realizing that early on mm -hmm. um but this time around i was like oh i want to mention that uh for sure it's yeah he's he's backing into the little crest of that little mountain he's in and then they don't have anywhere to go and he's he's got the upper hand so right. it, it works it works perfectly that's why i think that i mean the script i think is pulled very closely from Frank Miller's um, graphic novel. So I heard it is, it is pretty, um, like, I, I don't know about frame for frame, panel for panel, visually, but pretty... it's, visually, it's pretty spot on. Um, nice. Dialogue wise, I think it's, it's pretty close as well. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard scene by scene, it is actually pretty darn accurate and faithful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first battle, amazing. I mentioned, uh, mentioned earlier the whole South Park Xerxes thing, <laughs> uh, the immortal battle. Sure. Really cool. Um, they pile up all the dead, and they launch it down on the one immortal dude, and they just come out guns blazing, fucking everybody up. That's when you get like your first, um, like the immortals, their masks come off, and mm -hmm. then you see that they're actually like monstrous like, what the people. Fuck? Yeah. And like, I just think it's so cool. Like, obviously, like we said, Delios is telling the story, and he's trying to make them seem as evil as possible and everything. And then there's that giant, that giant immortal dude. They call him the Uber Immortal, I guess, in the, okay. in the movie. Um, that gets his head chopped off. And that's the type of, like, I mean, obviously this is a comic book. And as wacky and as insane as, like, Batman movies have been in the past, that's the type of, like, Batman stuff that I would want to see in a Batman movie. I was always like, oh, dude, it'd be so cool to see, like... Because I mean, it, like I said, the earlier movies—they're all pretty like campy. Yeah, they have weird—they have weird <laughs> stuff in them. But it all seems like it's supposed to be in like reality. Yeah. Whereas, like, I, I would like to see a bat like in an alternate reality where things are just fucking bon like seeing like a Clayface or like Killer Croc in there, which right. they have in Suicide Squad, but. Let's not get into that movie. Yeah, at least not the first one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I always wanted this like really dark, because Batman has such a crazy rogues gallery of here, of supervillains mm -hmm. um, that I just, that are cartoonish. But if you made them like how this movie makes, makes its monsters, I think it would be really dope. While we're not talking about this film today, may I just ask how you do feel about the scene between uh, Batman and Bane in Dark Knight Rises, the, the first fight that they share together in the sewers? Uh, I, I love that scene. Yes. I remember watching it in theater because, especially, like, at that point, we're in the last of the trilogy. Mm -hmm. And while I, when the movies came out, I was like, ah, I don't like Batman really being grounded and things not being, like weird and wacky and magical and stuff but i'm already in there the the dark knight sold me for sure mm -hmm. and 
up to then, Batman doesn't. He has no physical like superiors. He's beating the shit out. He's not gonna he beats the shit out of the Joker. He beats the shit out of fucking Ra's al Ghul. He's a martial artist. Yeah, in, yeah. In that movie, Bane's the first person that's gonna like. He's really gonna fucking go at it. And I remember watching that scene with one of my nieces. She was like way younger at the time. Oh, geez. and she's like, I don't get like this because she's seen a bunch of other movies with like crazy battle scenes and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. it's literally just a man. Going going at it with this bigger ass dude that's yeah. just beating the shit out of him, and he like wrecks him. So I was like, dude, this is he's fighting for to stay alive. Yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah, I lo- I love that scene. That would be the only thing I can compare, like like as to what you're talking about. Like that's the closest we get to yeah some supernatural fight that yeah, Batman that has trilogy. to try to overcome. And even um, then, it's very yeah. ground. It's very grounded. Oh no, yeah, it's very fair. I mean, he gets a good few good licks in. You know, you get a couple from Bane, but otherwise, it's, it back gets broken. Snap, yeah. snap. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like as far as favorite scenes, that was kind of like everything that I, that I had the immortal battle, the first battle, what's your profession? This is Sparta. Is there any other scenes that really stood out to you that you really liked? I'm sure there's plenty. I know I was kind of, again, as silly as the movie was, I was getting hype once again after a few cups of coffee and me watching this film earlier this morning, but, um, nothing that I have to talk about at the moment. No, for sure. Um, I like, uh, like I said, I was I was talking about the the like over the top like villain stuff. Like Xerxes is a giant. Right. Um, the Uber, the Uber immortal dude, the immortals themselves, Aphiltes. Like he he's known in history for being as ugly as he is because of his portrayal. You know, right. like that's that's why he looks the way he does in that movie. Well, I, I like the way that you're explaining that because I never actually considered that perspective before as far as like, you know, we're talking about ancient times where there was no video footage of anything. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no it's, pe- all word, it's all word of mouth. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, especially back then, they're trying to paint a picture of what their experience was on the battlefield. And so it's only understandable that based off how he's explaining what these armies are looking like, that they would perceive them as such. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and, you know, it's, it's history is written by the victors mm-hmm. um, and it's very prevalent in today's society. I mean, uh, <laughs> colonialism painted a picture of like what minorities all over the world were like. And obviously a lot of, the, none of it was true really. Um, and, and it, that's why I was like, Oh, would that fly today? But it's purposely made that this guy's telling a story about this opposing army. Um, because yes, all the Persian people, like, I mean, Greece is Mediterranean, so they're not quite like, traditionally white folk right um but definitely persia that's all brown and black people so Mm. i was like would they really go as far as like making these people look all grotesque but like i said for the story element wise it makes a lot of sense sure sure yeah um but yeah oh so a couple like any unanswered questions that you have in your head or anything like that i I mean not that there's that much going on up there usually but i mean (laughs) if i had to think about it not at the moment no but but, what about for you though so a couple things that i wanted to say was Poor elephants. They didn't do. They didn't do anything to anybody. <laughs> you got a nice rhino, but you know what? He, the rhino was unbiased. It plowed yeah, through he, everyone. He, he was trying to kill on somebody. both sides. <laughs> the the, the, ele- the elephants were. Uh, I feel like they were. They got a bad rap. <laughs> um, one question that I like in a time when video tie-in video game movies. Uh, Movie video games were so prevalent. Why the hell wasn't there a video game? There for this should movie? have been an action video game right? for this film. Like absolutely, there like you get so a place I remember the getting Transformers yeah. video games, like uh, X Men video games, like all this stuff. No three hundred video games. I don't know what the hell happened. I'm wondering if they point. if they 
licensed it it was in development and they just pulled plug at the end of it i don't know why maybe so but i mean considering how well the lord of the rings the two towers video game yes, alone right? did yeah, yeah like the way that they were able to few, translate few that years previous yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like you would think that'd be right up their alley and I, I i could imagine as you said that there should that i'm sure there was there had to be have been something in the works something yeah. But yeah, yeah maybe it was just up to a developer There's picking no way it up or someone publishing to, it yeah nobody talked about it or anything that's something to look into that's actually. actually a really good call. um <laughs> one uh one little thing that i saw in research is a lot of the shields in this movie came from Troy. They were repurposed oh. and made um, from the movie Troy, starring Brad Pitt and Eric Bana. When was that movie made? Was that like a 2005 or something like, like that? three or five. Oh, oh my god. 2003 or five, oh something god. like that. Crazy. Okay, so not that much later than uh, yeah. four years or so. Yeah, not, not that much. So there was there was an appetite for Greek mythology and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think that we covered our favorite scenes. We talked about a lot of the movie. Um Great stuff in there. Uh, is there anything you want to go over before we move on to the last topic? Um, nah. If you're if you're someone who wants to see a bunch of hot, sweaty dudes with abs, like <laughs> do shit like crazy, and you want to see some mean upper thigh that is well tanned, actually, compared to my own, then you should probably see this film. Yeah, I would say so as well. <laughs> um, and for uh, some of the some of the other folk, other leading folk, there are some boobs in this movie as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's always a always a plus as well, I think, for you everybody involved. Um, <laughs> but other than that, we can move on to the last question. I'm a producer, you're a producer. We get our hands on the property rights to this IP. Do we make a prequel, a sequel, or a remake of this movie? Oh, God. Ah, that's such a good question. I, I mean... As as we talked about earlier, before we really got things rolling, um, you know there is obviously a sequel to this film. Mm-hmm. I have not watched it. I heard it was all right. I, I haven't seen it either. It, it, it probably adds to even more campiness, I would imagine. Yeah. Probably a lower budget, but then again, maybe not because the the first film was so successful. I haven't looked into those. Lo- I feel like they logistics. came out uh, kind of far apart too. Yeah, probably the steam had kind of dropped since then. Yeah, I, I think maybe even between those films, if I'm not mistaken, there was also like the uh, Wrath of the Gods and Clash of the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it, it, uh, did, oh, films. you know, you know what? Also, I wanted to bring up. I didn't write down, but mm-hmm. um, when this movie came out, there was a huge appetite for this type of gore, yeah. this type of narrative, and everything. On Stars, there was a show called Spartacus. Yes, um, yes. I remember. I was hyped for it because I was like, I like this movie and everything like that. But then I watched the first episode of the show. And as campy as this movie was at the time, I watched the show and I was like, these producers saw 300 and they're like, we need to cash in on this. And they made the – it was – as violent as this was, all the violence in there was just over the top. I was like – and I was a bloodthirsty teenager. (laughs) Right, right. And I was just like, yikes. This is – and like their dialogue – like I remember before the the show started, they had like a a disclaimer that was like, oh, the violence in here is depicted because this is what it was really like. And and I was like, if you got to tell me – if you got to – Walk me in by hand with this, and you're you're overdoing right. it. Dude. Yeah, you're kind of lo- losing some yeah, badassery with the forewarning. You're, you're, you're right. The Clash of the Titans movies came out, Wrath of the Titans, and then th- there we go. that show and everything like that. So right. Uh, so I, if, I guess nowadays I would want to wait. I, I I don't think it's time yet. But let's Definitely say we're not. we're producers. You know, maybe a couple decades from now, or yeah. maybe at least a decade, knowing Hollywood, they're gonna turn something over eventually. If not this film, everything else does anyway. I, I, but I would want maybe to do. 
a remake um, and possibly remove some of the charm and campiness of it, even though I think that, again, it does lend itself to being somewhat charming even yeah. nowadays. At the same time, maybe just a little bit of it. Um, I think it would be kind of hard to replicate the stylistic viewing, like like yeah. the visuals of it, which with, I like think you, Like that's you said, fine. without it being distracting nowadays. Yeah, yeah. But maybe so you, you're thinking you're, you're thinking more of like something not as grounded, but more serious, like a gladiator, something like maybe, that. Maybe something like that. Yeah, I kind of like, I mean, gladiator is a classic you know it made yeah. Russell Crowe's career and everything yeah. so I mean I, I I wouldn't mind something like that but I guess while you brought that film up one thing I did appreciate about this movie and that it kind of portrays like leadership in this film is that you know every time it shows Leonidas in, in a battle scene he's on the front lines yes, and, yes. and then I, I instantly I thought of Joaquin Phoenix as Caesar and he's like you know this like little sadistic piece of shit yeah, yeah. Um, who's you know kind of a coward to oh, a degree yeah, definitely. Um, and just kind of like that dichotomy I mean granted shows one's up Roman, after one's the Greek. battle's over yeah, yeah. kind of thing yeah. um, I, it's kind of just cool to see something like that yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they took like like I mean yeah they take it from the source material of 300 the, the graphic novel but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they saw Gladiator and they're like oh we gotta make this guy like Leonidas oh and I was thinking about that too is like sure. right before he throws a spear at Xerxes um, he closes his eyes and he sees Gorgo Lane and like wheat fields and that's definitely something I, iconography that we know from Gladiator yeah. um, every time he's about to die or whatever he sees himself walking through a wheat field and everything so right. I, I'm sure that they saw that movie and they're like okay we need to take bits and pieces from X, Y, and Z and put it in this thing make it successful and they did they turned out a really good movie yeah. it's still really enjoyable like we said Camp to high heavens, but <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm always here. If camp's done well, I'm always here for it. Sure, sure. You know, um, but for me, I think I would like to see a prequel. I'd like to see Leonidas before this. I'm sure okay. he's been in many battles before. The only thing that's wrong with that is when I think of Leonidas, I think of Gerard Butler, mm-hmm. and obviously he's getting older in years. So to do a movie like that, it would be really difficult. Um, but if let's say. Right after this movie came out, um, maybe like five years after, he doesn't look that much different, mm-hmm. and a sequel's not the way to go, a prequel about Leonidas maybe just going through his first battles with his homies and everything, I think would be really fun. That would be cool. And in fact, you get Michael Fassbender's character saying, you know, he's kind of talking to his friend saying, you know, I've been through countless um, through countless battles before, you yeah. know, and I finally might meet someone down there who might give me the glory of, a, you know, glorious death or mm-hmm. a beautiful death. And so, yeah, if, if that, like, you know, side character has gone through many battles, you can only imagine yeah, what the Leonidas king himself has gone through. For and, sure. You know, you think about it, though, I mean, I don't know if they'd be able to have the, this kind of budget, but de-aging technology is a thing nowadays. You, know you never that's, know. That's true. Paint some abs on the guy, yeah. just you know, blush up the face a little I'm pretty, bit. I'm and pretty sure. Fine. I'm pretty sure there was there was abs <laughs> spray paint abs on there. Yeah, yeah, that's just, what I heard. just to get the lighting right. I know mm-hmm. they also talked about. I'm pretty sure I went through all the DVD features when I got this movie. I'm almost positive every day that they were working out. Zack Snyder was working out with them and everything. Oh, yeah, that's actually really cool. Um, he he was basically like, I'm not going to make them do anything that I want to do myself, kind of thing. And uh, I mean, it's cool because it's like Leonidas being on the front lines with them, mm-hmm. almost like yeah, same yeah. thing. He's he's their he's their king, showing them how to get through this whole battle, which is making this movie. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think we covered everything. Um, I want to thank you a lot, oh. AJ, for stepping in. Um, it's it's great to see you, man. 
Uh, hope we get to do this again very soon. Um, Would love to. Let the people know again where they can follow you and where they can hear your voice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as uh, Stephen mentioned er, at the top of the show, uh, I do have another podcast with my buddy John that's called Beer Belly. Just in the podcast uh, section of Spotify, just search that up. Again, Beer Belly or at Beer Belly Pod on all your socials, and you'll certainly find our dumbassery where uh, you know we happen to drink some craft beers, act really douchey, but we also talk about mature topics like applying ball powder, the proper way to do so anyway, and <laughs> other fun stuff as well. So awesome. yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome, awesome. Well, for Play It Again, man, I'm Steve Valdez. Thank you, AJ Ramirez, and we will see you at the movies next week, guys. Thank you, brother.